The information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not contain or constitute and should not be interpreted as any form of medical advice or opinion. You should always seek the advice of your healthcare provider about any questions or concerns that you may have. Welcome back to the Unfiltered podcast. On this show, we interview mental health professionals about abusive, toxic and healthy relationships. It is our hope that these interviews help you cultivate safe relationships. This person is giving me this this intermittent kind of reinforcement, like they're they're valuing me at like an inconsistent rate, or validating me, or being caring, or being the person they were in the beginning of the relationship at an, in an inconsistent manner, right? So you have to kind of decide, you know, I I no longer want to kind of be on this roller coaster or be in this relationship where it's inconsistent, right? Hello everyone, my name is Yulena Aikin. I'm the host of the Unfiltered podcast and a co-founder of Unfiltered. Today I'm interviewing Dr. Khadija. Dr. Khadija is a licensed psychologist with her own private practice who services children, teenagers and young adults in New York City and Connecticut. Dr. Khadija services individuals who experience anxiety, depression, complex trauma and personality disorders. Today we are going to tackle some tough questions about healing from abuse. From dealing with the alluring pull of intermittent reinforcement to finding closure without accountability and letting go of the wish for things to be different, we'll explore practical tips and strategies for moving forward in your healing journey. Join us as we discuss the harm of rumination, alternatives for closure and overcoming the fear of being alone after being gaslighted into dependency. It's time to take control of your healing, so let's get started. Hi Khadija, thank you for joining me today. It's nice to have you in this podcast episode. Yeah, it's nice to be back. I appreciate you having me back. Great. Okay, let's get started with these questions and the question number one is, how can I deal with the intermittent reinforcement? Yes, he has been so abusive lately, but gosh, it feels so good when he starts being nice again. It makes me feel like there is still hope for us. How can I stop this? Yeah, um, that's a good question, right? So it's not uncommon to get addicted to intermittent reinforcement. Um, I know in psychology, when we're learning about um, different um, ways to shape behavior, right? Variable ratio is kind of one of the most addictive ways, right? And variable ratio is really just um, pretty much you're getting reinforced in an inconsistent pattern that you don't know the next time you're going to get reinforced by something. So for example, if you think of being in Las Vegas, if you went to Las Vegas or like a casino at a shop slot machine, right? It's not like a fixed ratio, which is like every 20 times you pull the the slot, you get a reward, it's variable. So it could happen every 20 times, every 100 times, um, every eight times, it, it, it just, it just, it's variable. So um, that's um, really important to understand because what that hap- what happens with intermittent reinforcement from a person, and I'm assuming you mean that um, that person will be like nice to you or caring or validating um, on an inconsistent basis. And when they are like nice or validating or caring, right, it feels really good, right? So that can be really like highly addictive to the brain. Um, I'm not going to go too into the weeds about the brain, but like we do have like a reward center in our brain, right? So when some when you're getting reinforced in a uh like and not in a, a consistent way, it can create us, it can create, make us um, addicted to a certain type of behavior, right? So for example, think of people who enjoy going on roller coasters, right? If roller coasters were just going like um, straight, people wouldn't be riding those rides, right? The reason why people enjoy it is because of the the highs and the lows and the inconsistently inconsistency and not knowing how the ride will um, go, right? So it's the same thing sometimes in our relationships um, where you feel that. So yeah, and so in that, that intermittent first um, reinforcement um, contributes to why it takes sometimes people, maybe I think the research says like seven times to get out of uh, and exit a relationship, right? Because you kind of, you know, get used to that cons- um, inconsistent form of like almost breadcrumbing from that relationship from that relationship yeah so 
but I do, I will say that I love that you're looking to end the relationship. Um, that's usually the beginning, right? To gain closure. I think the next question was, um, yeah, it's, it's about closure, but can I quickly first before we kind of, uh, like, yeah, the, the question number one and two nicely kind of, they can relate each other, but, uh, this one, like you mentioned that the intermittent reinforcement, like it actually rewards some system in our brain. And, uh, to my understanding, brain is very like adaptive, like adaptive organ of ours and we can, you know, new, I don't know, neuron connections can form when we, you know, practice enough or, you know, uh, stuff like that. Is there anything that you can do to kind of rewire your brain so that it wouldn't fall to the intermittent reinforcement? Yeah, no, that, that, yeah, you can, right? Like, I love that you brought that example, right? Because your brain is like a, a muscle, right? So um, your environment kind of can shape it, right? And neuroplasticity, I know we talked about that previously in terms of like this ability to like increase or create connections can happen throughout your life, right? Um, That's something that can happen throughout. So yeah, you can shape your um, brain. So I think the next question was like, how can I stop this? pattern right like when you're getting that intermittent reinforcement from someone mm, right yeah yeah, um, yeah yeah that's the next you know next part of the same question kind yeah, of. The yeah next okay okay yeah. Question. so like i think you, you kind of have to first like actively decide to um for yourself to get off that roller coaster right you're like you know what you know hey this person is giving me this this intermittent kind of reinforcement. Like they're they're valuing me at like an inconsistent rate, or validating me, or being caring, or being the person they were in the beginning of the relationship at an, in an inconsistent manner, right? So you have to kind of decide. You know, I I no longer want to kind of be on this roller coaster or be in this relationship where it's inconsistent, right? I deserve to be with someone who is going to give me a consistent um, love support support and warmth. And that is what a healthy relationship kind of looks like, right? Otherwise you can be kind of um, I put onto that person's um, path of how they want that relationship to go. And I know um, sometimes in terms of relationships with narcissistic tendencies, there's this um, uh, kind of uh, pattern of idealization, devaluing, discard, and Hoover, and it's, it's just on and on and on again, right? That's why when people often say they're in this on-again, off-again relationship, that could be a pattern that may or may not be exhibited in that relationship. So so first you have to decide, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to exit this relationship, right? Then I probably would start to write down the reasons you're exiting this relationship and then stick to it. Anytime like your hope increases or that person starts be, um, behaving in that pattern that you really enjoyed in the beginning or looking like how they treated you in the um, beginning of your relationship, I would, instead of going to that person, I would um, return to that list of reasons why you're deciding to exit that relationship because that person's providing you inconsistency so you kind of have to be the person to provide yourself consistency right so i would yeah write down your thoughts in journal like write down your thoughts and feelings and like maybe write down a letter to your write a letter to yourself um, decreasing the hope that you're feeling in that relationship and, and the hope that things will get better, especially if this person is like inconsistent. And if you have that hope and you combine it with that person, oh, they're finally being loving, caring and validating, right? That can just put you back into that situation again. And then you go into this on and off pattern and that dynamic. So I would definitely one, like decide you're, you know, I'm done, right? You decide to be that consistency for yourself now, and then write down the reasons why you're leaving. And I would create a pattern where you're either trying to leave the relationship or stay out of the relationship, as opposed to subjecting yourself to that pattern that that person um, is putting you through of inconsistency. And if you can, and if you're privileged enough, definitely seek therapy. You know, I, I definitely can recognize that that could be a very challenging thing to kind of get through. So if you're, if you're able to, therapy is definitely super helpful. You can't control someone else's thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. You can only control your mm. own. If you see someone acting inconsistent to you consistently, you kind of have to be the person to decide to be consistent yeah. to yourself. Yeah, but what you do know is that this person is being consistent about a behavior that's going on, and 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 it's usually the best way to predict how someone will treat you in the future is to look towards the past. 
fast, right? So if somebody's been inconsistent for some time, you it would be safe to guess that that person will continue to exhibit that inconsistent behavior. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, and you you also mentioned at some some point uh like the idealization uh, like that you i ide idealize idealization yeah uh of the of the relationship like what came to my mind was that how much idealization kind of contributes to you being still addicted to the relationship because i feel like if you are like idealizing their relationship and then those small moments of um you know love admiration when they are like breadcrumbing or you know doing the intermittent reinforcement and you are idealizing the relationship uh i feel like sometimes idealization is also a way to you ease the psychological tension that um comes from being not sure is this relationship going to work so you kind of protect yourself by saying like thinking that about the relationship better than it actually is you're like idealizing it uh to yourself than to others to avoid the conflicts and confusion and maybe the pain that comes from maybe realizing that it's not that good or what do you think yeah so yeah i mean i think that's a good Point, right idealization can happen on both parts the, per the person who's kind of causing harm and the person who's kind of be being harmed right the person who's causing harm sometimes can be like when they're being like um finally giving you that love and and warmth and validation right they might be engaging in idealization right or like love bombing is something that's been going on um, talked been talked about um in the community um as well right so oh, like, you, you're great. I'm going to, like, shower you and treat you the way you deserve to be treated, right? Because I'm seeing you based on how my perception I'm putting onto you, as opposed to seeing you for who you are in front of me, right? And then once you show me something that is not um, what I have perceived you to be, then I'm going to begin to devalue, devalue you. And that's, some, that's probably the approach of somebody who is being the harmer, in a relationship might look at it as while the person who's being harmed might engage in idealization to focus on the hope of the relationship right where like this relationship the reality of this relationship is really challenging to kind of um grasp and understand and, and it's causing me a lot of pain so let me focus on the things like things like hope or how the relationship was in the beginning right um so to kind of stay in this relationship or hope that this relationship will get better right both pieces can keep you into that in that relationship a lot longer than you probably should be in that relationship and both are rooted in not being mindful and and being in right now in this relationship right it's either focusing on the past or the the future right and or a, a reality that you kind of want it to want it to or hope to happen in uh, a relationship so yeah i mean it definitely does happen on both parts and and it, it can keep people um very much in relate in relationships yeah yeah idealization yeah okay thank you so much uh then we have the second question and that is i know that i will never get accountability from my abuser but i also know that getting accountability is big part of closure how can i work around this and get at get the accountability that i need to move on and start my healing journey yeah okay so yeah that that's a good question I, and i know there's like a theme of closure that kind of comes up so i'm gonna like be the barrier of bad news a little bit so closure is is not um a thing that really happens in relationships so i know in in movies when people break up you see like um them returning to returning um each to each other's their the belongings they had of the other person or the gifts to the other person or they'll say bye like this relationship is over and then they move on right so i do think in society we do create this idea of like closure from like this this from this person through getting something right um or some resolution right and i know um closure is pretty much just like this final completion of a process or like you're you're seeking this final resolution of the end of a relationship but unfortunately right what a closure isn't like an external source or something you get from outside of a person 
closure is something that you need to receive internally or in other words do within yourself right it's you're, you're radically accepting that you will not um you're not continuing to this relationship so if you cannot recognize that the closure that you need it has to be within as opposed to from that partner right then you can start taking accountability for you know your part and begin to process your thoughts and feelings and begin the healing journey right so closure should be something you do within as opposed to looking towards someone else yeah okay yeah uh makes sense <laughs> and uh, i you I think you said something like, oh, you know, I'm the carrier of bad news or something. But at the same time, uh, if it's something that you can, that is achieved within, then it also gives you the full control of it. And that's you know, a good yeah. thing. Good thing. Yeah, okay. you're right, you're right. Yeah. So is it just... So in practice, like, yeah, you have been in a narcissistic relationship. It has ended um is it how do i go within do i just ask myself okay how do i want to create my life now or like what what do i do like how if i'm i fe i'm feeling stuck i'm feeling depressed i'm feeling like i had invested so much time energy m resources money whatever to that relationship and then it ended like how how do i in practice get the closer yeah i think that's a good question right because like i think yeah it could be a little bit more philosophical if we focus on like you know hey get that closure within right like what are practical steps to kind of engage um in getting that closure right like i know the person was asking like how can i get that person to take accountability right mm -hmm. like again um first just like making making the decision to like you know i'm deciding that you know i don't want to be in this relationship anymore right and then like align your behavior with that decision right so maybe one that's it's not talking to that person um anymore or limiting contact if you have you know um mutual individuals that you that are connected um to that person two deciding not to use that person as um a way to um uh get some like process your thoughts and feelings because it, it sounds like a big for this person with the question about accountability they want some that person to kind of i guess help them in some way process through what happened or take accountability for some of their actions and unfortunately that that does not always happen in relationships right where people will take accountability and then even if that person does i know juliana you were talking earlier about how sometimes people could use as a form of manipulation right to kind of mm. get you back into the relationship and so even if that person is taking accountability what could happen is that it increases your hope that like maybe oh this person might be improving in their character or maybe we should try to work this out right so looking to cl for closure from a, a person um outside of yourself can just be just n not the best way to go about it so i definitely would um decide to to um you're making the decision to begin your healing journey for yourself and then align your behaviors with that decision and then look towards your look to yourself to process your thoughts and feelings as opposed to someone outside well actually that person themselves like whether it's starting to journal your thoughts and feelings right talking to a trusted friend or family member and consistently talking to them so whenever you have the urge to talk to that partner that you're trying to leave talk to them or talk to a, a, a professional or someone else right or write a letter um, to yourself or something like that so i think like it it sounds like philosophical and complicated like how do i get closure but really it's just i'm making an active decision that i'm done with this relationship and i'm just going to start to behave in the way in which i'm i limit my contact from this person so I can begin my healing journey of moving on. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it, it was like a very helpful. Thank you for that. And that was like very good point when you brought up that, okay, like what if they do take accountability? It might be just the way to hoover you back in if they do decide that. Because that they probably know you inside out. They know that you are like craving the accountability because you know they they have been in the arguments with you and they probably like know that then we have next question is how can i let go of the f wish 
for things for things to be different how can i let go of the wish that this is all just a bad dream and i will wake up to the person that my abuser pretended to be how can i stop waiting for my abuser to change yeah yeah but that's that's a really um tough question to hear I'll, I'll, first i just want to like you know i'm sorry to hear that this person who asks this question is just experiencing so much you know mental turmoil and just anguish like yeah um the pain of thinking someone was someone else and then finding out that they are not who you think they are can feel like betrayal and that's that's really hard to process in addition to processing the end of a relationship it sounds like you may be holding on to the future um uh, hope of the future might for that relationship um or and maybe rejecting your current reality that your partner isn't who you thought they were um and so that is that is just hard to hear like Khadija said, there is real pain in a situation where you are thinking that someone was someone else and then you find out that they are not who you think they are. This does feel like a betrayal. And if betrayals like these happen over and over again, it might be helpful for you to know about complex betrayal trauma. Complex betrayal trauma refers to a specific type of trauma that can occur when an individual experiences ongoing or multiple betrayals from caregiver or other trusted person. It's typically associated with chronic or repeated experiences of abuse, neglect or abandonment that are perpetrated by someone who is supposed to be a source of safety, support and protection. The betrayal in narcissistic abuse lies in the fact that the other person may have initially believed the abuser to be a trustworthy and loving partner or family member, only to later realize that they have been manipulated and exploited for the abuser's own benefit. This ongoing cycle of emotional abuse and betrayal can create a complex trauma response in the other person as they struggle to reconcile the idealized version of the abuser with the painful reality of the abuse they are experiencing. Also, narcissistic abuse involves a pattern of behaviors that are intended to control, demean and isolate the target, often while portraying the abuser as a loving and supportive partner or family member. All these behaviors can leave the other person questioning their own reality and perception of events. Um, if you were in my, you know, in front of me, I'd be also wondering, like, um, when you say, is this a bad dream? Are you using that as an expression? Like, you know, I feel like I'm in a bad dream or are you experiencing some depersonalization, right? And depersonalization is just uh, a fancy word for saying that like you, you, you kind of are observing yourself from outside of your body and it's the sense of things don't feel real, right? Right, and it can be a trauma response. It can be a response from, to being in an, uh, a relationship dynamic that's uh, unhealthy for you. Or you may just be saying it's a bad dream because as a saying, right? But either way, if, if it's feeling like um, this is a bad dream or you are experiencing depersonalization, I think it would be really important to kind of practice mindfulness, right? And mindfulness is just keeping your head where your feet are and being mindful of your thoughts and feelings in this moment, right? So you have to like, practice mindfulness and then I would also radically accept that the person in front of you to front of you today right so sometimes um like we we get again tend to focus on the person we wish they were um yesterday or hope they'll be tomorrow but I would radically accept the person that's in front of you today and really just be mindful um of that to to use that so you can you know start to begin to like let go and move forward um in that relationship i guess the best way to stop um the best way to stop waiting for your partner to change um is just to make the active decision to do so um and then behave behave the way that kind of aligns to that yeah yeah i know i'm noticing like a pattern with the questions of like how do i kind of deal with you know the partner and um that i'm with and how can I like move forward but it's it's really that right like and I think a good analogy too like at first with any unhealthy relationship it can it can be challenging to consistently um decide to to move forward and not to talk to them but the same way you go to like the gym to like work out right 
like um at first you start off with like a ten, like 10 pounds then you move up to 20 pounds and then maybe you get up to 50 pounds like think of it as strength training with your brain right at first it can be really hard right to to make the decision to move on from a relationship in the beginning stages but the more you're you are training your brain right and you it becomes easier and easier for you to like let go of that relationship and i will also say the longer you stay in the relationship the harder it is for you to kind of then begin to um move on out of that relationship too so the earlier you start the better especially if you're noticing this person is consistently inconsistent yeah 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 exactly <laughs> yeah that's that's so tough because people get out like after 20 years of marriages and like it's yeah, it's it's a tough thing, and okay, yeah. Uh, then we we have another question, and it's I know that in healthy relationships, closure comes from communication. Unfortunately, it is impossible to communicate with my abusive ex because of how manipulative she is. What are some alternatives that I can explore to get closure? Yeah, yeah. So I think. This kind of this question is a little bit similar to the first one around closure, right? Yeah. So, yeah, in reality, like again, closure is an internal decision that you want to make, right? Um, so I think making the decision to no longer engage in communication with your ex is probably the first start, right? You can you can also explore journaling your thoughts and feelings to get them out of your head and begin to like process them right talk to a trusted person or a family member that um you can tell that trusted person what you wish you could have told that partner but because that person is not someone you can communicate with i think just continuing to stick to the decision not to communicate with them anymore is the best way to go right um explore um therapy if you're able to but i think most importantly i want people to kind of just recognize that closure is just something it's not something you can get from someone else, right? It's it's something that you have to like explore and get from yourself. You are the only one who can control your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. So if you have to be the one to decide you want closure and then begin to align um, yourself to, to that goal, yeah. Mm, I'm thinking this person is saying like, I know that in healthy relationships, closure comes from communication. Like is, are they like meaning that Mm, you know, in healthy relationships, you are having, you know, the discussion like, oh, our relationship didn't work out. Uh, like it's, it's unfortunate, but, and, and now we decide that we go on separate ways. And I look past our, like when I, I look, I look our relationship with warm heart on warm thoughts, but like, yeah, it's best that we just go to different ways that is that maybe the communication that they are like, kind of referring to because if you think about that might you know give closure quote unquote that comes kind of from external as well because you're like communicating like you know that they think good about you and you think good about them but it's just a decision that you two go on it's like separate ways that's a good point and that might change the the nature of the question right because if he's talking about communicate or if that person is talking about communication in terms of like we are both equally deciding we're gonna end this relationship and then they move their separate way, right? And that person's not able to get that, right? Then that if you're not even able to communicate that this relationship has um, ended, that that should be the closure, that it, the relationship has ended. That you, does that make sense? And then move forward um, in that regards. I'm, I'm not, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Like, yeah. Yeah, we don't uh, know the specifics of this question, so it's sometimes like hard, hard to think. But okay, if yeah. If it's a situation where they both are talking about, like, you know, why this relationship ended, you know, um, what happened, like, why are we going our separate ways, right? Like, believe it or not, sometimes even in healthy relationships, like, like you might feel like that's closure, but it's not that. Um, that conversation is the, that's the closure it's the person deciding like okay like i'm turning from this relationship and i'm moving forward right like oh. i don't want people to think that that a conversation is oh we are ending this relationship 
because you like red and I like yellow and you want a yellow house and I want a red house, right? Like you, the closure comes from when you turn and you move forward to find somebody who also wants what you want to. Does that make sense? Because yeah. those people can have another conversation, another conversation, and another conversation. It's, it's, it's an internal decision. Yeah. Oh, okay. That. Thank you so much. Because I have thought that that's where the closer kind of comes, like from a conversation where you know you both know what happened, and yeah, yeah. Like so. Thank you for clarifying because I've been like thinking, like, oh yeah, that's what it is. And and it could be helpful, right? If you're ending in an amicable, um, amicable like point of view, yeah, it could be helpful towards you. You know moving forward in your life but it, it's really when you decide to turn and make mm. that decision to, to walk away from that relationship right because mm. even if you had that conversation you can I, there's people who have that conversation and they're back together you know two weeks that that's not closure mm. either right it's, it's you turning away from that relationship and staying away from that relationship yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah makes sense and that you said that yeah maybe it helps you to you know make the actual turn and um, the, your own decision and your decision to stay away. Because if you think about some narcissistic relationships, they are very confusing. For example, if the narcissistic person discards you like very like short, uh, quickly ends the relationship without giving explanation, you might be hard. It's harder to find the closure when you are all these thoughts. What did I do wrong? Or what happened? Or like, didn't I notice something or like these kind of thoughts come to your mind, it might be harder to, you know, find the closure within compared to a situation where you have had that discussion and you know, okay, we are ending because yeah, I like red houses and they like green houses. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's, and that's really uncomfortable to sit with, like what happened? Like, what, why is this person like leading me in this way? Why can't I communicate and find out, right? But if, if a person's not even able to have a conversation with you around that situation, they just kind of left, that should be, that's, that's data, that's information too, right? So like, you should, you should use that to inform why this relationship is um, ending and, and move forward to that, that can be considered closure as well, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that that was a really good point. Yes, great. Um, it's like because if someone is refusing to have a conversation with you about that, that's an, like an important thing to discuss. It gives you a message that you are not worthy of even like me communicating with you. Like you are not worthy. Like I am choosing to not have any discussion with you about this. Like. Yeah, like you said, that's information. Okay, uh, then we have a question. How does rumination harm my healing journey? Okay, so that's a good question. So rumination is, a, for, for those who don't know, it's like this consistent and continued thought pattern that leads you to continue to engage in negative thinking patterns, right? It's usually accompanied with feelings of sadness or worry. And if you do it long enough, you begin to kind of feel physiological or physical symptoms, like maybe of, of anxiety, such as like stomach aches or sweatings, or like maybe your heart rate starts to increase, right? So it's, um, rumination is like this downward spiral where negative thinking grows and grows. And that's definitely something that can, you want to, to stop, right? So, um, and it's definitely something that can be harmful towards your um, healing journey. I know um, in my practice, I, I, some of the common types of negative thinkings um, that occur are probably catastrophizing, right? And, um, and person personalization is something that probably would speak to a good portion of the people listening to this podcast, right? And catastrophizing is probably a very um, common negative form of negative thinking, because it's related to thinking of potential negative scenarios that can happen in the future. And there's no end to the number of negative scenarios that you can think of that could happen in the future. That's why I see it very commonly. So some examples could be like, I will never love again. You know, um, this is the only person I'll find, 
right? And then you kind of go into this downward spiral, right? Or personalization is something that might be common to listeners is like, you know, hey, um, maybe I should go back to this person. Like the relationship was all my fault. I like, I take accountability. Um, like personalization is this idea that you're responsible for um, something that happened that you may not be responsible, that you are not responsible for, right? So um, in negative thinking, it's pretty much like, like a, it's a distortion or um, not seeing reality the way it, it should be seen because your, your feelings or maybe other people could be influencing them, right? So you're asking like, how does rumination cause harm? Right, because if you're engaging in rumination, it means you're engaging in consistent negative thinking, and you're continuing to engage in consistent negative thinking. And if it, if it, if it's as well as it's important to talk about, like, does it cause harm? Yes. Right. What can we do to kind of fix that? Right. So, like, you want to catch these negative thinking patterns, right? So, like, if you're noticing that you're having um, a negative thought, like, you know, I've never find someone ever again, right? You want to look for evidence that could refute that, right? And then try to think of healthy or balanced thinking to prevent or intervene when rumination occurs, right? So you could have a thought set such as like, you know, instead of I'll never find someone again, you can catch that thought and then have a thought like such as, you know, I decided to get out of this relationship because this relationship no longer served me, right? That's a balanced way to see things. Or uh, another thought could be, I recognize that I have tried all that I can and I need to focus on my healing journey, right? You literally could just, ha when you engage in rumination, just think of that, um, that thought uh, instead, right? But sometimes when you're engaging in rumination, and I'm assuming you use, use that word because it's intent, these intense feelings are probably accompanied with it, right? If your emotions are too intense, it's gonna be pretty challenging to start thinking of ways to, to engage in balanced thinking. So I would start with, um, sometimes I do, I have my clients like label how they're feeling and then let me know from a zero to 100 how, how, what that feeling is. And if it's above a 75, we don't focus on like, let's challenge that thought, right? We need to get the intensity of your emotions down, right? Because right now in your brain, your amygdala is activated. So if your amygdala, which is the emotional part of your brain is more activated, then your frontal lobe, which is this responsible for your personality, decision-making, planning, um, thinking ahead, right, is not as activated if your amygdala is more activated. So you kind of want to get yourself to kind of calm down first, right? So do things that kind of help you calm down. I, um, I, I don't know if it's like distract yourself by watching uh, a show that you like, a comedy show, talking to a friend about like just something outside of the situation, right? Something that gets your emotions down. And then once you kind of get your emotions uh, a bit down, I would start to actively think of um, those kind of thoughts that we talked about, balanced thinking, like, you know, hey, I'm recognizing that I'm engaging in some negative thinking right now. Let me engage in some balanced thinking. You know, I recognize that I decided to leave this relationship. I'm going to continue to focus on my healing journey today, right? And I, if you have a, prop, a challenge with um, rumination, it might be helpful before you get to this the place of this downward spiral of negative thinking maybe creating a list of balanced thoughts right that you have right and then anytime you find yourself engaging in um, rumination like go and read that list right of the reasons you made the decisions you um, decided to make so you can continue on your healing journey right and if you if you're really skillful you can write, write a list of the, the thoughts that you have when you are ruminating. And so you can acknowledge it, um, acknowledge those thoughts first, and then read through the, the list of balanced thinking to prevent you from getting to the place where you're spiraling, right? Because it's a lot easier to prevent or early intervene on negative thinking than to try to fix it once you're already feeling these intense emotions. Yeah, both can be done, but it's, it's better if you start to prevent it or intervene early on. Mm, yeah, thank you so much. Such helpful information and a lot. Uh, yeah, uh, I was thinking one other common like like this uh, distortion that I've heard is like labeling that you put 
some kind of label label to yourself like and it's usually a negative one and it's like i'm a loser and then there is like no other option <laughs> exactly we can have like a five hour discussion on cognitive distortions <laughs> i just think like two and there's like what i i know there, there's like maybe 15 20 that like i've gone over with different clients so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay is one. Yeah. yeah so if, if it, go ahead yeah i was saying i was saying that like if anyone is interested in cognitive distortions more if you just google that then you you're gonna get a lot of things and you can kind of reflect like oh i have that 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 because it does help when you can put a name on it you can uh you can identify it way more like more easily like oh i am experiencing right now labeling thinking or i'm whatever other personalization and uh yeah and you learn something as a result i think it's interesting yeah if my clients or when my clients come and they're able because I, i will give assignments where i'll have them labeled the thought that they're thinking and if somebody is able to acknowledge that you know i'm engaging in catastrophizing right now i get really excited right because that's like the first step if you can recognize that you're 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 engaging in negative thinking and then it's super skillful if you're able to then name the the and label the type of negative thinking you're doing it can it's just that it's just the beginning process of combating it. And then if you can do that, it'll help prevent rumination in the future, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a cognitive behavioral approach. Highly recommend. <laughs> yeah, and like you said, like earlier, like these things, they are like, you, you know, you get better with practice. Like it's like going to the gym and improving there. Yeah, and uh, getting more like stronger and stronger. So just like repeatedly engaging with combating those negative thoughts with more balanced thinking like you I'm, i'm sure you get better like we as humans and our brain it's like nice that it you know improves over time yeah you're very right like think of your brain as a muscle you kind of have to practice that that skill right and honestly w- whether you have like a mental health challenge or not right humans have a propensity to think negatively right so like beginning to challenge that and see think balancedly or positively if you can right is really good it's something that i do for my myself as well right catch any negative thoughts because we're processing millions of information a day right so yeah yeah is I, it I yeah you said like it's naturally is it because yeah is it because somehow like it helps us to you know survive because if we think negatively we see the dangers more easily is it something like that or why we tend to think negatively more often i think yeah that's a good question right so like it would it um it would it's adaptive right like that's how partially how our ancestors were able to survive right if we like for example anxiety can be like functional or it can be like like dysfunctional right like so back then if we're like concerned about something right we're more likely to survive like oh don't eat that berry or like be careful over there right so it it makes sense why we have a propensity to think negatively right but we don't have those same levels of concerns and you don't want to apply that to um negative thinking to every um every situation so you you just want to see things in a balanced way right you don't want to be fearful of everything but you also don't want to be like yeah i'll eat anything i'll eat all the berries right just like seeing things balancedly and that's why i talk a lot about like balanced thinking as opposed to positive thinking yeah mm-hmm. yeah seeing things for what they are yeah yeah and i think you know if you're you can be delusional also with positive thinking <laughs> like it doesn't reflect reality at all but yeah. There's a, yeah there's actually a meme i'll use right there's i don't know if anybody saw it it's not going to be helpful because i'm talking about it but there's like a dog and um he's like in oh, like a, a pot on fire like in a burning building and he's like everything's fine right <laughs> that, that's not the goal either right yeah, just, yeah. Everything's fine it's just to see things the way you are that's why i gave that example of like a thought could be i decided that i'm going to go towards my healing journey right yeah yeah mm, okay yeah i have seen those memes as well it's always the dog and the, and the fire around it like okay Uh, then, then we have a question. Question number six, and that's: I have been gaslighted into believing that I can't survive without my abuser, and it makes me terrified to even think about cutting them out of my life and being alone. How can I overcome this fear? Yeah, I mean, 
I will say your question, your listeners give ask some really great questions that I have to like really think about. So like for those who may not know, gaslighting is when a person, um, you know, questions your thoughts and feelings and makes you begin to question your own reality and if you should trust yourself, right? Um, and that's like a really big deal because it's like a higher form of invalidation, right? Um, for just to kind of give you a little bit of the origin of gaslighting, it actually came from a movie where uh, a husband was manipulating the lights in a, in a home and then the wife would act about the um, the lights that have been changing and the, uh, the husband would um, lie about um, this experience to the point where the wife starts to question her perception of reality, right? And it could be really harmful when a person begins to, to question themselves because that person will then begin to put more trust into their partner who may be causing their the harm as opposed to um, putting trust within themselves. Um, so, um, so I definitely think it's something that like, it's just, you know, really tough to hear that that person is um, going through. And uh, I'm glad you asked that question. And I'm, I'm just, I'm sorry that you, you know, you feel that you, you have been um, made to feel like, you know, you're scared to like cut them out of your life or be alone. Like that's, that's really tough to, to hear. So I just, I just want to, you know, also validate that person for those feelings. Right. So I will say if you are feeling gaslighted and that you cannot survive without your partner, um, this, that, that feeling has to be really distressing and very uncomfortable, right. To feel. So, uh, I definitely think just on like, uh, just, hearing that question yeah just want to again validate like i'm sorry to hear that but also i want to say like the fact that you're having some level of awareness and you're recognizing that you may be being gaslighted by your partner is great and that's a first step right so if you're acknowledging that you may be being gaslighted you're beginning to question if you should trust your partner's perception of how they think and feel you should think and feel right so for example the person in the movie if that wife had been like is my husband actually, you know, telling, being honest about the lights switching or, or am I, um, or am I going crazy? Right. You're, be, you're beginning to question that person who is gaslighting you. And that's, that's a good first response. So definitely continue to begin to question their thoughts and feelings about your thoughts and feelings. Right. Um, I also would just need to know more about, you know, why you feel, why you, you cannot survive without them, right? Like what that person's telling you. I don't know if there's a financial tie to this person, or maybe it's just like an emotional or mental bond you feel to the, this person. So you feel like you can't live without them. Like, even though it's a great question, it's just like, I mean, I would ask so many more questions just to be able to answer um, completely, like, um, to this person specifically, but um, you should, but since this is just like in general, I definitely would have this person, you know, just explore more about what is making you currently feel fearful to remove that person from your life. Then you should begin to explore safe ways to challenge that fear, right? Because honestly, um, this is, this is like, uh, I guess it's not psychology 101, but you learn this in school, right? That if you want the best way to, um, uh, to treat anxiety and fear is exposure, right? So the best cure for the, the fear that person is feeling is to expose yourself to the fear, right? So for example, if you have a fear of flying in, on airplanes, right? We could sit here and talk about airplanes all day, or we can you can begin to just like like fly on airplanes, right? So maybe you start with a short trip. Maybe you just sit on an airplane. Maybe you do an imaginal exposure while while um, pretending you're on an airplane, right? So you're you're getting yourself comfortable with engaging in that fear, right? But in a safe manner, right? So you're exposing yourself to that fear, right? Or maybe it's public speaking, right? So maybe you start public speaking to like your family, then you, your family and friends. And then 5,000 people, you know, then you're Oprah Winfrey, you know, uh, but just you, you, you kind of have to engage in exposure to challenge that fear, right? So I think what I would have that person do is it's going to be the same concept that you apply here, right? Um, if you're fearful of leaving for financial reasons, maybe the exposure would be like you find yourself a sense of employment, 
right? You start saving money, right? So you're exposing yourself to the opposite of what you're fearful of, right? Oh, I can only be tied to this. I'm tied to this person financially. Okay. I need to then expose yourself to figure out ways to um, be independent from them financially. It'll be the same thing with emotional or mental, uh, mental component, right? If you're fearful that you can't be without that part partner emotionally and mentally, maybe you expose yourself to um, do, hanging out with individuals that are that are not with that person, right? So you can see that you can be okay without that person, right? Maybe you can also um, write down previous or current experiences that kind of I, I um, contradict this idea that you can't survive without your partner. Because I'm assuming that you've had a life before your partner. So if you had a life before them, right? You definitely can have a life after that person too, yeah. Mm, yeah, makes sense that fear or problem doesn't go away if you avoid it so we gotta face it <laughs> yes yeah yeah and you can do it many ways right you can some, sometimes we think with exposures we have to do it like like oh let's start with baby steps and then like for example if you have a fear of heights let's start out with jumping off a 10-foot cliff and then maybe i can work myself up to a uh, hundred foot um build cliff right but you actually can do it anyway as long as it's in a safe way right so it, you can tackle your your fear of being without this person by just doing it leaving the relationship and deciding hey i'm out of this relationship or you can just begin to mentally and emotionally detire, um, detach yourself by spending more time with people outside of that relationship and if, if it's an unhealthy relationship sometimes the partner will isolate you so then you feel like you can't be with anyone without um with anyone else because that person has kind of kept you to themselves but it again it depends on the relationship and and um yeah yeah thank you so much so uh yeah today we had some great questions and great great answers so i want to thank everyone for listening to this episode and thank you so much dr Khadija, for coming to this episode giving such helpful and practical advice and answering all these questions yeah thank you for having me If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and share the episode with your friends and family. Have a wonderful rest of your day and see you in the next episode.